Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, I'm Gemma, and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where each week you and I meet a guest who will help us pay attention to something we should know about, as well as answer some of your questions. This week we're talking about skincare, why recommendations are never one size fits all, who we should be getting our information from, and some insider knowledge that could help you navigate skincare marketing. So joining me this week is Caroline Hirons. Caroline is a legend in the beauty industry. A globally qualified advanced esthetician, she's trained in over 100 different brands and has also written a book titled Skincare, The Ultimate No-Nonsense Guide, giving clear, science-backed information to help us all understand our own varied needs. With all this training and knowledge, Caroline is not afraid to point out misleading or fear-mongering news stories or marketing, letting us know what skin science and what skin nonsense. Don't believe the hype. Listen to your skin. If your skin is red raw, just because you're using a product that someone else said was brilliant, then stop using it. You know, you don't have to spend a fortune to have good skin and you don't have to use a lot of product to have good skin. So, I mean, as we started off and we're kind of talking a little bit before we even started recording about skincare is something that I get asked about a lot and I never really feel like I should be a person who is answering those kind of questions but it's like talking about skin and whether it's things like acne or one thing I do end up talking about a lot is SPF because I am a way your SPF shouty person all the time um but I am not somebody who is qualified to be talking about skincare so I would just love to pick your brain um about some do's and don'ts and things that we might be doing right or wrong or where we should actually be getting our information from well thank you for at least saying i'm not qualified to talk about skincare because everyone else on the internet thinks they are <laughs> <laughs> let's face it let's face it <laughs> it's a you know it's a everybody let's just all pile in and let's all talk about it which has always been strange to me because you don't see everyone claiming to be a fully qualified makeup artist You know, most people will admit that they can do their own makeup. They're quite good at doing their friends' makeup, perhaps, but they would be completely lost on a film set or completely lost doing Mm -hmm. editorial and completely lost doing a different skin tone. So makeup still gets a different level of respect than skin gets, which is odd. But there we are. Yeah, I think it's one of those where, I don't know, I feel like I I would probably happily say like, okay, so my skin is this type or acts a bit like this. I've tried this product and I like it like that would be kind of fine but in terms of then like it's always like oh drop the skincare routine and I'm kind of like one you don't really know anything about my skin and like we might have completely different skin types and therefore shouldn't be using the same products is that kind of something that you come across a lot like do people expect that it's a very one-size-fits-all when it probably isn't 
Yeah, for sure. And it's also, you know, brands have to take responsibility for that too, because selling selling something and saying it's suitable for all, if it isn't, some things are, mm. but if it isn't, then that can be problematic. You know, I mean, a classic case is the ordinary is glycolic acid, which was, you know, viral on TikTok for all the wrong reasons, all of the wrong reasons. So it's just one of those things where you have to, like you say, it's easy for someone to say drop the skincare routine, but mm. my, like if someone said that to me, I'd be like, well, okay, you're 20 years old. <laughs> Do you want to use anti-aging products for a 51-year-old grandmother? Um, so it's, it is very, very personal. And so I think the fact that you sort of at least say that to people, you know, but by all means, you know, having your own experience of things and anecdotal evidence of things is really valid because there will be people mm. in your situation, whatever that situation is, whoever, you know, whoever is listening. But the danger is when people say, this is the best thing I've used and you can absolutely use it if you have this type of skin. And that person is purely talking on their own experience and not doesn't have any sort of training to back it up or scientific evidence to back it up or, you know, that kind of. And I don't think a lot of the time it's done with the intention of causing harm. Certainly not. But I do think yeah. skincare isn't afforded the same respect as other aspects. For sure. Yeah, I agree. And I think it is like, as someone who's struggled with their skin a lot, I do think that people treat skin. And I mean, I'm talking about like mostly acne in my experience, but oh, I mean, I've had all sorts of other things going wrong with my skin. But mm. people do treat skincare as maybe quite like a, a sort of silly thing or like a frivolous thing when actually it isn't always. And it is kind of like, it can be part of like, I don't know whether it's part of the way that people you know have it's self-care self-care routines things always get brought in or like you know sometimes it's a medical thing or sometimes you know you're just you're not happy with your skin and it makes you feel like shit so you care a lot about it and like I think yeah, it's fine sure. to care a lot about skincare you should care about your skincare you care about other organs in your body why wouldn't you care about skin exactly you know I think it's part of the it's part of the the whole misogyny thing of, of skincare is frivolous you know it's something that girls do that kind of bullshit that just drives me crazy. Um, one, as if men don't care about their skin. And two, as if caring about your skin is something frivolous or something to sort of be laughed at. And it's not, you know, it does severely impact people's mental health if they're not happy with their skin. Yeah. That's just basic fact, you know. It's not being, it's not sort of hyperbole or trying to sort of exaggerate the situation. If you don't have good skin, if you look in the mirror all the time and you know that you're presenting your face to the world if you're not happy with what's happening on that face it causes upset for sure yeah absolutely it's also like I think this is something people don't get about having so I mean I don't often you won't often really see it on me I guess and right now I'm like in treatment for it so you don't see but I suffer really badly with cystic acne mm -hmm. and it's painful it's so painful and this is, I also haven't talked about this, I don't think, but I ended up having to go in for like a bunch of hospital tests and scans last year in the middle of a bloody pandemic because the like cystic acne on my jaw had got so bad that it started like messing with my lymph nodes. So I had all these lumps oh, up in my neck dear. and they were like, no, we need to like give you an MRI and we need to see all these things. And like, but then you start freaking out. It was just, it's just really stressful. Like it, do, yeah, it does like, it affects other things too. And it sounds awful. And yeah, it's just painful wasn't wasn't the most fun no cystic acne is really really painful a lot of skin conditions are painful you know eczema hurts psoriasis hurts your skin when your yeah. skin is inflamed in any way it lets you know 
You know, it lets you know we have nerve endings. It lets you know that it's not happy. And so being dismissed is just unacceptable. Yeah, I think it's so like, it's one of those things. And especially because it, you know, it can be, if you're talking about acne, for example, can be like related to hormones. I feel like we keep coming back to it. It can be a kind of misogynistic thing of like, Hmm. people just don't really take it seriously. They don't take hormonal conditions seriously. They don't really take skin conditions seriously because it's like, oh, well, it's not making that big a difference. To them, (laughs) to them. It's not making that big a difference to them. And in that case, it's mostly... In that case, it's mostly men. So for me, at the other end of the scale, in the HRT arena, it's exactly the same problem. You know, being menopausal, perimenopausal, and menopausal affects your skin, but it's frequently dismissed as, oh, you've just got a few hormonal spots, it'll be fine. You know, it's just that kind of, the dismissal is what I can't bear. And I've always said to, you know, parents of young people with, with spots before they've even diagnosed it as acne, please take your child seriously. If a child tells you they're not happy with their skin, they're not being vain. It is self-care and their mental health is at stake. Mm-hmm. And if the first experience they have of coming to you when they need something for you about their health and well-being is, for t- is to be denied, that leaves a lasting impression that you then carry into the doctor's office and you then allow yourself to be denied. And that extends into other areas of your healthcare. So it's absolutely vital, number one, that parents, and I do think for the most part they do, Mm. I'm always hearing from parents wanting help with their teenager's skin. And it's getting younger and younger, the ages I've noticed. So, you know, it's it's vital that you take your child seriously. It's vital that you take your friend seriously. You know, it's not, if someone says to you, oh my God, my face is really bothering me. They're not looking for a compliment. You know, most people don't say that in the hope that you'll go, oh babe, your skin's lovely. Especially if you're lying to them. Like we're not stupid. You know, if I'm having a really bad flare up, I'm like, God, my skin's atrocious. And I don't mean it's atrocious all the time. I mean, at the moment, my skin is atrocious and I'm just verbalizing it. You know, I'm not fishing for compliments. Yeah. I'm just saying, oh, God, my skin's driving me crazy. You know, I'm, and I'm doing this to fix it and da, da, da. So when people do that, I just think dismissing it is, is no different to saying, you know, I've twisted my ankle. It's really sore. Oh, you'll be fine. Don't be daft. You can walk on it. <laughs> you just wouldn't say that, you yeah. know? You just wouldn't say that. I know, yeah. It's also, I think it's the thing of like when you're struggling really badly with something and then someone who's like trying to empathize with you is kind of yeah. like, oh, I know, I totally understand. Like I've got this one spot here and oh, I'm just like, please don't. And it's it's, please don't. <laughs> it's like you I say, know. it's like comparing, saying, oh, I've got this broken leg. It's really terrible. And someone going, oh, I know exactly what you mean. I've got a hangnail. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I was literally saying, yeah, I chipped a nail. Yeah, it's so painful. <laughs> <laughs> But we do tend to do it. We do tend to be, yeah, we tend to be dismissive of hormones and especially hormones that affect women. So we are dismissive when they've got their periods, which is a very real thing. We're dismissive when they are uh, at the other end of it. Like I said, we're menopausal. We're dismissive of it when they're pregnant, you know, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) we're not dismissive of it if someone has a thyroid problem Mm -hmm. or, you know, that's a hormone they're immediately taken care of because it's a serious health concern. It's a serious health concern if you have hormonal issues. Get it taken care of. Yeah. Stand up for yourself. So if you are currently unhappy with your skin, let's say, which could be, and I'm not also meaning to say that, you know, anyone who has spots is necessarily unhappy with their skin because I am here for fully embracing the acne positivity, skin positivity, all of these movements I think are only doing wonderful things. But if you are having issues with your skin that you would like to change, where do you start essentially in trying to sort of get a grip on sorting things out? Well, firstly, 
there's absolutely no shame in saying I do. I wish I did not have acne. You know, as much as you can say yes, I think the the sort of the skin positivity movement is similar to the body positive movement in that. For me, as an older woman, I I know absolutely as a scientific medical fact, I cannot afford to carry extra weight around my middle because of my genetics. My grandmother had her first heart attack at 52. I am 52 this month. So for me, mm. you know, and what's good is when you're at the other end of the scale, menopause doctors, they have absolutely no qualms in saying, yeah, you need to lose that weight. And they don't do it in any shaming way. It's all based on your health, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's, all in, it's all related because I basically ate crisps for four years because I was perimenopausal and no one told me what that was, <laughs> you know, and I was just a big carb fest. <laughs> mm. So there is no shame in saying, I'm not ashamed of my skin, but I wish my skin looked better when I look in the mirror because it would make me feel better. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is a person who has a face full of acne, and I've met thousands of them, who wishes that they could keep their acne forever. Yeah, You know, obviously, there is a difference between embracing what you're having to deal with and being in denial and just saying there's nothing I can do about it because there is something you can do about it generally. So and by when I say all of this, none of this is to put any blame or shame on anyone ever, because that just leads to more, you know, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. It's, it's purely from the point of view of exhausting every avenue without, with me, it's always without people trying to get you to spend too much money, because it always comes with a link at the end of, oh, if you buy this full set, we can clear your acne in two weeks. Yes. That is always a lie. Dear listener, that is always a lie. Mm. If you have severe cystic acne, the only thing that will clear something and start to clear it that quickly is Roaccutane. And that is not for everyone. And I say that purely as a, that's a hardcore pharmaceutical drug that you can only get under the strictest of instructions from a qualified, you know, a fully board certified dermatologist. It is not to be trifled with, but it works. Mm-hmm. So you may be under the care of a specialist who says, right, Caroline Gemma, you've tried this. We're going to try this. How do you feel? And there's a whole discussion. But that doesn't come with a big price tag. That just comes with making sure you're under medical care. Now, not everyone can get that medical care. We are drastically underfunded and massively understaffed with dermatologists in the UK. Last count, it was something like two, 200 or 250 dermatologists short of what we need to meet everyone's needs. So the wait lists are astronomical. Mm. So obviously your first port of call for most people is to go to your GP. The problem is most GPs immediately want to put you on antibiotics. Yep, done years of those myself. <laughs> yeah, and they're not good for you. It's not the best course of action. Um, and anyone who works in skin on the daily, i.e. facialists, estheticians, and to be fair, quite a few dermatologists also go down the road of, look, antibiotics, yes, if you think there's an underlying infection, but mostly it's going to be hormonal. You know, it's going to be systemic. It's not going to be an infection. So it's that kind of half the time in the UK, especially, it depends on your luck of the draw, how sympathetic your GP is, how clued up your GP is. Because if your GP did training years ago, they may think that Roaccutane causes depression and will lead you to suicidal thoughts, which is just no longer the case. Obviously, in some people, they have to be watched differently. But the Roaccutane of 2021 is very different to the one it was a few years ago. And again, I'm only saying this to kind of ease people's minds. I'm not trying to push anyone onto anything ever. Mm. It's more to sort of ease the mind in the way that I ease the mind of people who say, 
oh my God, I've been using a retinoid cream and I've just found out I'm pregnant. What harm have I done to my baby? And I'm like, nothing, relax, please. They're cautionary. They're cautionary warnings. Please relax, mm. you're going to be fine. The stress of you worrying will be doing more harm you know, to your system. So you can go, if, you, if it is a problem as acne, you can by all means go to your GP if you've exhausted every avenue. There are various things and it depends who you talk to. And I'm always very careful about what I say because I don't want to be seen as endorsing one lifestyle because it is definitely not an all size, one, you know, one shoe fits all or one rule for all. But there are certain people in this industry whose opinion I trust and certain people who've, who have uh, treated my skin, my, my children's skin, for example, um, who are big advocates, advocates of cutting out dairy. And that has proved helpful. I, I, again, I'm erring on the side of caution because I know that there will be nutritionists and dietitians screaming, it's not related to dairy. Now, I'm not here to talk about the science. It's just that if you deal in putting your hands on people every single day, and it's not particularly, you know, a hormonal thing, surely it's worth trying. It's just, I'm just saying it might be worth trying before. And I'm saying this purely again as things that you can try and do for yourself before you have to go and spend a fortune because no one wants to do that, right? And the odds are it's not going to work if you spend a fortune and you're going to have to shell out more cash. And I just don't want people to be ripped off or lied to. That's it, to be honest. Um, My girlfriend, Teresa Tami, has a great clinic and she um, helped me out with Max and Ava's faces in this last year because COVID, Ava had COVID last year. And it sparked acne in her skin. Mm. And we didn't realize at the time that's what it was. So we were trying everything. We went to a derm. They gave her the usual antibiotics. I was so against it. But, you know, it's a teenager. She's not going to take her mum's word over the dermatologist. Absolutely fair. Fair enough. Yeah. But it didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Didn't shift it. And Teresa said, I don't want you to put oil on your face. And I want you to stop eating dairy. And I want you to come see me. And we're going to do some fractions on your forehead, which is a sort of a laser treatment. And the reason I went to Teresa is because she has machinery that I just don't have. Mm. and it's and it's cleared her skin so but again I'm hesitant to even say that because that's just what worked for her you know and and it sounds like I'm just going around the houses but it's it's not a one-size-fits-all but you can at least do things to try and help yourself and arm yourself with information when you do go shopping for example you know it's probably best to stay away from thick oil-based creamy cleansers if you have acne however if you have eczema Mm -hmm. you might find that quite comforting you know, so everything is, every skin condition has its own yin and yang, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not easy, but I just don't want people to feel that one, it's out of their reach financially. And because for, sadly for some people it will be, because if the next step, step is a derm and you've got an 18 month wait list, it can be excruciatingly painful, as you've said, and it can be soul destroying. Yeah. It's also, I feel like when you kind of look up a lot of, um, information or try and look up advice on different things I feel like I mean obviously I know that the healthcare system in America is so wildly different anyway but I feel like so many sort of articles or help things will kind of be like yeah well you just need to go and see your dermatologist assuming that everybody has a dermatologist which here is just not the case at all no go and see your dermatologist and again at the other end of the scale go and see your gynecologist and everyone's like what yeah exactly we don't have those either no, our health system is set up so that we go to a GP and the GP refers you to the hospital and it used to be the hospital system used to be, you know, function much higher. And again, I feel like I'm always having to caveat things by saying you won't find a bigger supporter of the NHS, but the NHS has been purposely underfunded for years. It is not the fault of the people who work there. It's the fault of the people withholding the money, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm very 
pro-NHS workers and frontline workers and anti-management who withhold the funds. That's kind of where I sit. Um, it's just, it, but like you say, it's a different system. And for someone to go and see a private dermatologist, you may not have two, 300 quid for a consultation. You know, it's, yeah. who knows what it could end up costing you. If you need to have a, it depends on where you live. If you need to have a full sort of allergy testing, because if you've got really bad sort of chronic eczema, they will want to do patch testing mm. on you. And that's a big, long process that involves your whole back and days and days of not washing and all this kind of thing. Worth it in the end, mm. but it's hard to get that on the NHS and it takes a long, long, long time. Yeah, it's so tricky, isn't it? But like you say, you know, I have lots of Americans who are like, why don't you go and see your derm? I'm like, we don't have that here, Brenda. <laughs> we live in the UK. I've got to go and see my GP, That's Brian. Not a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> we wish, we wish. Um, we mentioned before you were saying, you know, brands who might possibly say oh you know this will work for everyone this will work for you this will work for you even if it maybe won't because they want to sell you a product yeah and I know you have been very vocal you know within the industry about talking Me? about never how very dare either. you you Caroline. <laughs> how very dare you <laughs> but you will call people out but the thing is you're qualified and you will call people out whether it's I mean, to be fair, I feel like it's usually just because they're saying stuff either to try and get us to buy things mm-hmm. or to get us to not buy other people's things. Yeah. And it's stuff that like just isn't always true. But Hardly I think that's true. very difficult to navigate when you don't know what you're looking for. When you're looking at someone and they're saying, well, we haven't got this in it, we haven't got this. And then you're thinking, well, is that is that really bad? Is that a really bad thing? Yeah. And I think that's very much done on purpose. They know that playing on your insecurities, and that's how marketing works, right? They play on your insecurities. Oh, I'm too thin. I'm too fat. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too pale. I'm too dark. Uh, they play on whatever insecurity is, is sort of prevalent in that demographic. And that's what they market to. And that's the same whether it's mm. skincare, food, clothing. I mean, you pick anything. Marketing people know what they're doing. They're very, very good at their jobs. You know, they're very, very good at their job is to make you want to buy their things. And so it's how ethical a brand wants to be ultimately is what it comes down to. And if you are a young person who thinks I want to help my skin and you're reading all this stuff about how, for example, clean is better, green is better, parabens are the devil, you know, uh, everything should be natural. Chemicals are bad. You're going to, it plays on your, well, I need to treat myself well. So obviously I should only use things that are good for me. And if chemicals are bad for me, then I shouldn't be using. And you've kind of wiped out most of the skincare industry. Number one, Mm. you've also wiped out nearly all the food groups, but let's not go down to the specifics. It can be really confusing. And I think a lot of brands do it to confuse you. And even the brands who claim to be about the science will also try to blind you with science to do it to confuse you. And that's why I think it's just really important to have voices that you trust saying you don't need this, but you could absolutely use this. You might love this product, but actually if you've got a combination skin, don't touch this with a barge pole. That's kind of where my, Mm. I suppose my, the blog became a helpful resource to people because everything for me goes back to the blog. You know, everything started with the blog I had, you know, I would meet with agencies over the years just as sort of like, you know, they'd say, we really want to meet with you and they'd meet with them. They'd say things like, now, what we're going to do is reposition you because you're not a blog, it's a website. And I'm like, well, it's a blog. So 
I don't know why you're calling it a website. <laughs> like I'm, I don't have Owning any shame. Yeah, I don't have any shame with having a blog in 2021. Yeah. Um, but it's it. My concern was always the end user, the customer. Mm-hmm. So I've never been concerned about upsetting PRs. You know, I've never been concerned about particularly upsetting brands, as you might know. And mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just to sort of say, and I only really go after people hard if the advice is dangerous. You know, I went after Gwyneth really hard, but that advice was yeah. monstrous. So if you're a young person and you think, I, I just don't even know where to start, that's kind of where you start. So for example, on the blog, the main things, and all of this has been there for years, you know, the cheat sheets are there for you to just have at it. The cheat sheet, I, have, I think I have a cheat sheet that's called something like what to do if you don't know where to start. I mean, it's literally mm. trying to sort out what your skin might be like because most people come to skincare if there is, you don't kind of go, my skin looks amazing. I'm going to go skincare shopping. You look at your skin and you go, "Yeah, I have a spot or I feel a bit dry or my face is a bit sore. A lot of young women actually end up looking at skincare because their makeup doesn't sit right on their skin. Mm. And that's their intro to skincare. It comes backwards. They buy a foundation. They put the foundation on. The foundation doesn't work, but it looks great on everyone else. And then they think, well, why isn't this working on my skin? And then they go online and then they find yeah. that it could be that they're dehydrated and then they end up looking at skincare. And then yeah. that it kind of lead it leads from there. So for me, it's always been the importance of giving sort of just calm scientific information and pushing back against the, you know, I spend a lot of time on social media just saying, no, you don't need that because people just, do I need this? I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, but, and a lot of the times I'll say, yes, this is a great product but I'm just not going to lie to someone. Yeah. And it just annoys me when brands lie to people. And that's why I kind of get ranty. <laughs> and I mean, and this is why I wanted to have you on because it is kind of just cutting through all of the, the like brandy nonsense that we don't really need. And I think I struggle because I am kind of constantly looking to like try and make more kind of like sustainable choices in products that I'm using. But I do find that you get a lot of, like you say, it's the whole clean and green thing, right? So when yeah. you're trying to go more sustainable with your packaging, I find yeah. that quite commonly it's a lot of those brands that you then are also saying, oh, but and this is, you know, however many percent natural and this is all yeah. clean and this is something else. And the irony being that most brands that claim to be natural are not sustainable yeah, because you're pillaging the earth for your ingredients but that they've managed to separate that out. So you don't think about that. All you think about is, oh, I'm using plants on my face. Therefore I'm doing good. Well, where did the plant come from? It came from the ground. Yeah. So when they talk about, you know, lab made or man-made chemicals, and it's always a negative, the irony is in a lot of cases, that's actually much more sustainable than using tea tree Mm. or especially things like bakuchiol, which is like, you know, the new buzzword, but it's not yet, fully sustainable so we're pillaging the earth but there was a time where everyone thought that palm oil was the next saving grace Richard Branson turned all of his airplanes into airplanes that only use palm oil as fuel and it basically destroyed the rainforest so I don't mean he did I just mean the whole palm oil movement did now obviously 20 odd years later you can buy sustainable palm oil but it's yeah it's never I always I always look at I always I always say that we are so (laughs) When So there's the Americans, right? God bless them. And if you're American, I apologize. My mother is American. I'm 50% American. So I am allowed to say the odd negative thing. Don't hate me. But Americans, as well as being completely optimistic, are also sometimes too trusting, 
borderline gullible, mm. borderline, some, some borderline gullible, okay? When you come across the Atlantic, you hit the Brits, and we are skeptical. We are skeptical of uh, <laughs> newness. We're skeptical of the latest gadget. We're skeptical. We're not as all-embracing. When you go into the Nordic countries, they're just full-blown cynical. So Green Beauty tried to launch. Green Beauty tried to launch in Sweden, and they were basically hounded out of the country a few years ago. Now, obviously, it will have its rebirth and it will have its new movement. But a really famous green yeah. brand did a, and a, one of the big ones did a huge launch in Sweden to the press, and all of the top beauty journalists were in the front row, and they said to the distributor afterwards, "We're going to destroy you in the press because everything they said is utter bullshit." And the distributor just let the brand go, and they had to leave the country. I mean, it was literally that bad. So, wow. I always say we're not as we're not as cynical. We're we're more skeptical. So, because the whole green thing and the organic thing hasn't been challenged that much in the states, it is doing now. Like with mm. lockdown, scientists and dermatologists are spending more time online and on social media and on Instagram and on TikTok. And so now it's being challenged, but it was left to rot for too long, Gemma. And so mm. now there's this whole green is better, organic is better. And actually, that's not always the case. People saying plastic is, you know, the devil and that the beauty industry has caused this whole problem with plastic. Well, actually, a lot of brands now use PCR, one of the few industries that does use recycled plastic, you know, gamers that all your mm. gaming discs don't come in recycled plastic. You know, it's that kind of, again, it's because it's a predominantly female industry, I think. But then, you know, I am yeah. old and cynical. <laughs> but, but then, you know, if, you, if we switch to glass, glass costs more to produce. It's heavier to ship. So it costs more. It, it, you have to use more, more, more diesel, more, you know, everything costs more. It's also not popular with the end consumer because if you drop a 200 quid serum on your toe and it's in a glass jar, it's going to break. If you package that in plastic and it bounces, Bob's your uncle. It's just not as cut and dry. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's such a balancing act. I feel like with everything, it is. I mean, I feel like the conversation helpfully comes up more and more, but there's just like a lack of nuance in everything that we talk about now. Which oh, is thank you, God, for not saying that. Particularly there's, not the particularly nuance helpful. word doesn't. Yeah, the nuance word does not exist, especially online. It's either or, you know, and it's it's kind of made worse by things like, you know, morning TV shows like you know, GMB when they had Piers Morgan on and he was always like the yin to Susanna's yang or the other way around. And it was always either or. And anyone mm. on there trying to just say, well, actually, I think you'll find that it's not always like this. It could be like this. They're not interested because they want the clickbait. They just want a quick, you know, soundbite that they can then send to the Daily Mail and there's your next drama and headline. And actually, skincare is yeah. nuanced. Self-care is nuanced. What isn't nuanced is that we absolutely should take care of our skin and we absolutely should take skincare conditions seriously. Definitely. And yeah, I will say we've mentioned your blog, but if anyone's thinking, okay, you've talked too much about acne today and my thing is something else, definitely just go and read Caroline's blog because I, I can't help talking about my own my own face. But but there's so much more information on that. But again, that's just natural. I've, I've mentioned, yeah, I've mentioned menopause and HRT about 20 times, but that's what I'm going through. That's what we do. We talk about what's happening with us because we want resolutions, yeah. you know. But obviously we cover eczema, rosacea, dehydration, dryness, everything you can think of, spots, milia, you know, everything you can think of, you can get information to sort of help. What I wouldn't do, I think we are very much past the stage. Social media has been fantastic as well as, as well as, you know, let's, let's balance it. Let's be nuanced <laughs> as well as mm -hmm. causing a lot of, you know, 
stupid viral TikToks that are funny but actually horrific because people are burning their face. Um, it, it also has made brands more answerable to the consumer for sure. Mm. It's made science able to be sort of at your hands if you look for it. The science is there. It's just if you know where to, where to look, basically. I mean. The amount of times people have asked me if psoriasis is just because they haven't sort of exfoliated their body properly. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, please get to a doctor. You need a diagnosis. This is and also don't talk to me because I, you know, you need medical care. And it's just that kind of yeah, trying to make information more accessible to people in terms of, you know, when it came to writing the book, I had lots of offers, but a lot of people didn't have the same vision. They, you know, they didn't want it in supermarkets. They just wanted it to be in Waterstones. And God knows I love Waterstones, mm. you know, and independent booksellers. But actually, a lot of people buy books in the supermarket, you know, and it was the kind of snobbery. Yeah. It was a lot of the snobbery I just wasn't on board with. And I just thought, no, we, this information needs to be accessible. This isn't, this isn't a Chanel handbag we're talking about here. It's skincare. It needs to be accessible. So I just think giving people information and letting them arm themselves so they know what they're doing, because the days of going into a counter are long gone, you know, in terms of going up to a beauty counter and saying, I'll buy everything from your range. What do I need for my skin? It just doesn't happen that much anymore. Obviously, there will be people listening who mm. have their favorite brands. You know, they will go into a department store and they maybe shop at Kiehl's or they only get their makeup from Mac. But, you know, even 20 years ago, people were going into department stores and buying everything from Clarins or everything from Longcomb or everything from Clinique. Mm. And it just, it's just much more democratized now. You know, we're cross-branded. You look at places like Space NK and Cult Beauty and all that sort of stuff. It's just not how we shop. Really, it's not how this generation shops anymore. It's I'll take this from The Ordinary. I'll have this from The Inky List. I'll have this from Hiram. I'll have this from Clarins because my mum used it. That's what I always get. I'm like, yeah, thanks. That's my generation. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's democratized, like but that. with that becomes it, there comes a lot of confusion, like you said. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm glad we came back round to SPF. Not that it's my favorite thing in the world or anything, but also I think it's an interesting point because it is something that I feel like you see quite often. People sharing like big news, this is terrible, or that's terrible, or this is bad yeah. for you, or it's only this kind, or this is bad for the sea, or this is bad for this, or bad for the other. But it's also, it makes me think of, you know, we were talking before about how we don't, you know, we don't have enough dermatologists in this, com in this country, um, in the NHS, for yeah. what we need. Yeah. But I also read a thing the other day that was saying about basically 90% of the dermatology appointments that we have are used for skin cancer because people, and it, you know, it's not always, you know, people's fault or anything, but oh, it is course. also, we're not necessarily doing the things that we could do or we need to do in terms of, you know, we're still going and like tanning and baking out and not, yeah. not using SPF. And then when you get people online sort of being like, no, you shouldn't use it because of this or yeah. God forbid, you should only use it on the top of your cheekbones or whatever. Oh like God, it's just don't. nonsense, and that's the kind of stuff that I'm like. It's when it gets dangerous. That I, yeah. Where should we actually be going? Sorry, this 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 was my question that I was coming to. <laughs> of you mentioned about where we should be getting our information. Yeah, I think it uh, for me. I would talk to someone who's qualified. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I take myself out of the equation. So I follow a lot of 
I follow actually more estheticians than I do derms because derms tend to all preach from the same hymn book when it comes to general skincare. So mm. and people always say, you know, it's always a good question in terms of uh, Americans seem to get it a bit more in terms of the difference between a facialist. And I'm talking about an esthetician facialist, not if you're just going to Champneys for a spa day and you're having a nice, I call them a fluffy facial. They're nice occasionally if you don't have mm. any skin concerns and you just want someone to flutter on your face. You know, nice little massage, nice bit of oil, lovely. I feel lovely. I'm going to go for a spa swim and then I'm going to have dinner and then I'm going to bed in my robe. That kind of facial definitely has its place and we can all do them. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds like a dream. <laughs> Doesn't it? But I'm talking about the kind of facial that involves machinery or lasers or acids and really strong active ingredients that change your skin, not just give it a sort of, you know, a, few, a couple of days of smooth and soft, but they, it changes your skin. That's the kind of facial I'm mm. talking about. And I tend to follow those people more than I do derms and uh, brands because they've had their hands on more people in terms of if you go for an NHS derm appointment, it's not long. If you go for a private NHS, a private derm appointment, it's longer. And you, you know, so same thing as gynecology. When you go, when I went to my GP for, again, the HRT, but when I went, it's like a 10 minute slot. You have to give all these symptoms really quickly and then they give you a prescription and that's it. You're done. Mm. Not the case. It didn't work. Yeah. I went private. I had an hour long appointment and they listened to every single thing I said. Now I am not, I'm lucky I could afford to go private and I wish it wasn't that way. I'm not endorsing it at all. It should be available to everyone. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's not. And so I tend to follow in terms of advice. I follow lots of estheticians because they're more, absolutely more up to date with product knowledge. I know that a dermatologist knows, you know, there's over 3000 skin diseases. That's their job. They know them all. I know all the product. Yeah. I, I, there has to be the balance in between. And so the, you know, I always say, if you, if you're looking for the balance, if there is something on your face that if it was on your bottom or your arm or your leg, you would go, what is this red lump? I'm going to go to a doctor. That's when you should go and see a doctor stroke derm. If you just yeah. look in, at your face and you think, do you know, I could do with a little bit of a reboot here. <laughs> mm. This this looks a bit tired. This looks a bit droopy. This looks a bit dull. I've got a few spots. I don't know where they've come from. I don't feel like it's particularly anything major. I feel perfectly healthy within myself. I'd like to talk to someone about the health of my skin or mm. the longevity of good skin health. Then you can go and see a good esthetician. That to me is, uh, their knowledge is invaluable because we do... The training, you know, we do thousands of hours worth of training. Obviously, they're different levels, but the people I follow are all top of their game, use lasers. Laser for me is always key. If you can wield a laser, then I'm probably going to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what you're doing with a laser. Yeah. That's not to say that there aren't brilliant dermatologists. I'm not being down on anyone. I'm just trying to show where people's strengths are and where you're going to get a quicker answer. Because the other thing that's key, and this is to their credit, uh, dermatologists and doctors will not give personalized advice online. It's literally against their code yeah. of ethics. But you can ask someone like me and I would say, well, it looks like this. I would say if you're in doubt, you need to go to a doctor and I would recommend yeah. a doctor. And I, I always say to people, if you can afford private and you're really worried about it, I can give you a list of doctors that, that work privately. I don't know your NHS clinic where you live locally in Stafford, for example. Um, so mm. it's always swings and roundabouts. I just, I find I, I'm more like a conduit for sending people either to a store with the right advice or sending people to other estheticians who can do treatments because I do know sort of people around the UK and in the USA. 
And I know, yeah. and I know great derms and I have sent plenty of people to great derms. So again, I'm not down on any derms. It's just that we don't have enough of them and their knowledge mm. is different to the knowledge from someone like me. If you don't have any major skin problems, you don't need a dermatologist. Yeah. Why would you? It's like saying, I'm going to go and see an osteopath about my knee, but my, there's nothing wrong with my knee. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll ask you for a, ask you for a little list of some good people to follow, and we can whack it in the show notes for anyone who wants to follow some more more good estheticians. Oh, for sure, for sure. And it's also key to make sure you know that you, especially if you're someone with a darker skin tone, if you've got black skin, or Indian skin, or Asian skin, you know, South Asian skin, then you have slightly different skin concerns. You do, and so if the normal over-the-counter industry is built around white Caucasian skin, which it is, unacceptably, mm-hmm. it's good to have voices talking to you who look like you, you know, and it's exactly the mm-hmm. same. There's nothing wrong with that. I, when, I'm, when I'm going to see someone about my genitals or my face, I would like to talk to a woman. I'm sorry if that's sexist, but I would. I want a female gynecologist and I like a female dermatologist or you know, an aesthetic doctor who's going to do any kind of uh, treatment or injectable. I would like a woman because I don't want to be the man, a man's vision of a woman. And I know that sounds really bad. That's just me. There are brilliant male doctors. Of course there are. But if you're a black woman or man, surely, and you know, my girlfriend Deja has the Black Skin Directory and it's a brilliant resource that was long overdue because there will come a point where I can tell you so much, but I don't, I haven't lived that experience. I've done the training, but if you're sitting opposite someone who has the same skin tone as you, there's just a connection there that you won't get when you're talking to a Caucasian person. So while we all have the training, the, the empathy will be there, but the empathy backed up with the personal experience comes from someone who looks like you. So you can see yourself reflected back. You know, I'm not going to go to an older white male doctor to ask him about my fanny gemma. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and you know what? That is the beauty of personal choice and personal preference. Everyone can do, you know, what they're more comfortable with. Some people won't be bothered by that. If you are, that's fine. It also means, yeah, like you say, if you want a lot of these preferences come from again it's like we say people think these things are really frivolous and they're not it comes from experiences of Of being you know discounted or various different experiences that might lead you to those preferences it's the nuance it's the nuance Caroline (laughs) exactly it's the it's my personal thing and I get it and I know that there'll be people out there whose dads are really lovely old GPs and I'm sure they are wonderful I would go about anything else just not my bits sounds idiotic it's just one of my things you know but uh, yeah so follow people that are qualified basically that's what I'm trying to say yes there's great anecdotal evidence in terms of but that that in itself is a quandary because it's anecdotal it doesn't really mean it's evidence you know there is great anecdotal experiences Mm. so if if you say you know if you look at at us two if you say this product was great for me because it did this to my skin that's a perfectly valid opinion and you're very clear about it being your opinion If I say this product, and I'm talking about what it will do for you from a scientific angle, I will also bring into it my training. And so, uh, you know, and there are people out there who are vastly more trained than me, vastly more trained than me. I'm always pushing them. I'm always putting people towards them and saying, go and see them for a treatment. They're brilliant. That's where I go. You know, we all have a certain set of skills like Mr. Neeson. So 
it is finding someone you trust. And a lot of it is word of mouth. You know, I get so many people tagging their friends underneath my post because they're like, oh, this is the woman I was talking about. This is who I follow. You know, check her blog. She has loads of info. I'm sure you'll find something. And if you can't find it, she will tell you who to follow. I don't have the ego of, mm. oh, yeah, you have to follow me. I know everything. I'm way past yeah. that age. I'm way past that age group. I'm the first person to go, do you know what? I don't know, but I will find out. And I'll be on a live and I'll make a note. And then I'll go back into the comments and go, by the way, I found out about so-and-so and so-and-so. And then I'll, you know, make a note of it. So it is very much about arming yourself with information, as it is with all things health. And I think we all need to sort of recognize, I mean, the industry does, but from a personal point of view, there is nothing frivolous circling back again. There's nothing frivolous about taking care of yourself. You know, you have to take care of your skin. And it's not frivolous and it's not vain. And even if it is a bit vain, so what? I mean, cats prune themselves, you know? I mean, it's, it's just what we do. Egyptians bathed in milk. We're human beings. That's what we do. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions. And the first one comes in from Nova, who says... I have struggled with acne for a while now and I've been seeing people talking about the wonders that snail slime can make to your skin. Is this really true or is it a new and exciting ingredient that will fool people to buy these products? The second. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't I can't deal with the snail slime thing. One, snails make slime when they're stressed. So it's it's just not my favourite thing. And while it might have nice mm. benefits, I mean, do you want snails crawling all over your face? The facial pictures you see where they put snails on your face make me literally want to throw up. So, no, <laughs> there are far more sophisticated ingredients than snail slime. But I appreciate the question because, yes, it is very trendy and people will try and push it. And it's just it's just not for me. I mean, if there, I'm sure there are other people and brands who love it and embrace it. That's fine. They can put those snails wherever they want. It's just not for me. And it's not going to cure your acne, number one. That is fair. But yeah, not not miracle products. This was, I no. mean, I feel like, yeah, it's one of those new things. And a few years ago, wasn't everyone putting venom in everything? Yeah, bee venom, snake like venom. It's one of those things that just comes and goes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, perfect. So next question is from Andy, who says... What is a marketing strategy that a lot of us consumers still don't know about? Oh, that's such an amazing question. Uh, a marketing strategy. Oh, oh, waiting lists don't exist. Load of bullshit. Really? Yeah. Waiting lists. Waiting lists always get me going because we all message each other and go, oh, did you know there's 75,000 people on this waiting list? 
And when you say to someone, did you actually write your name physically on a list? And I'm talking about for skincare in store or online. So there are now, and, and way, I mean, it's got a bit better, but if there is a story, usually in the mail, in the sidebar of shame, <laughs> that lists, <laughs> that lists, you know, this new product from, and it's usually something like a Boots number seven, no shade to them. It's just well-placed advertising. Uh, there are mm. 50,000 people waiting for this, right? So all they've done is taken how many they've probably made, how many they're sending out to the stores, and that there's been a bit of interest in it because they'd already done some placed product placement in a paper to generate interest. The only time you get real waiting lists are ones where the industry says, you're not going to get your hands on this because there's a massive waiting list. Things like, I mean, I can tell you genuine ones. So when the Beckhams had a tanning treatment in the hotel, they left the hotel carrying a see-through. Now, it would never happen now. Never happen now. But they carried, they were given product like at-home use. And they came out of the hotel and were packed mm. with a see-through carrier bag carrying a little brand known as Saint-Tropez. And that launched Saint-Tropez's right. brand. Now, that caused a real, genuine waiting list, massive orders, pre-orders. That was real. When you see, you know, for, for starters as well, like it's usually happened because something viral. So Beckham's are very good at causing viral waiting lists in terms of, Mm. Uh, this is the next big product from uh, such and such. Oh, is it though? Because who's using it? If you see a famous person using something, and the thing is now, because there's so much placed product placement, it doesn't happen as often. So when it does genuinely happen, it's kind of nice for the industry to see that there's actually that much of a passion and an interest for things, you know? So if someone, someone famous yeah. says, this is the best product I've ever used, it will sell out and it will cause a waiting list. But waiting lists don't exist from the minute a product is developed. You know, you don't even know it's coming. Why would there be a waiting list? So I would say waiting list would be number one. I'm sure there's loads more, but I love that question. I thought that was a great question. That's a good one too. Yeah, because I feel like you do always hear that. It's not like something is even sold out. It's like when there's a brand new product. Yeah, it's brand new. Everybody wants to get list. their hands on because it's yeah. been everywhere, but there's such a waiting list. Yeah, that's such a good point. I did not know that. But if you but if you say, well, is it on pre-order? If it's not on pre-order, then how can there be a waiting list? Like it's that kind of, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. if, if something's really well Smoke known and mirrors. yeah like if something's really well known if if a brand is launched in the states and it has come to what the what there is is a mailing list for sure and all of that is designed so that mm. you will sign up to a website's mailing list so that they have your data that they can then use for marketing purposes down the road but there's a big difference between oh i'm interested in the next pair of adidas shoes do you want to join our, wait, our, our, our mailing list? Yes, that's lovely. Thank you. That doesn't mean it's a waiting list. Mm, that's true too. All wording. <laughs> Next question is from Ray who asked, aside from beauty, do you have any other daily routines or self-care habits that you found helpful this year? Yeah, I mean, my whole, my whole day is usually a routine. I'm very routine driven. Mm. If I can't have my routine, it really unsettles me. So I have like, you know, certain, I have two cups of tea in the morning, you know, it's kind of, it's just where like I sit down and my husband and I will watch something together in the evening. That's part of our routine. I have to make my yeah. bed every day. That's my routine. If I haven't made my bed, it means I'm ill and I'm still in it. Things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. But yeah, so making my bed every day, I treated lockdown a bit like I did in the early days of after you had a baby where everything's blurry. 
you're kind of tired, but you've got energy, but you're awake, but you don't really know what's going on. And, and one day will blend into the other if you do not differentiate and make sure you do the same thing. So I would get up, make the bed, have a shower, mm. get dressed. Uh, depending on whether I was doing Zooms, I might do use makeup. I might not. Makeup quickly went out the window for me in lockdown. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't be asked. So. Yeah, I just cannot be asked. Um, and, yeah, just making sure that I acted as if I was at the office, even if I wasn't. Like I have to have a really clean house before I can start work. So if it means I have to stay mm. up late to make sure the house is ready for me in the morning, then that's what I do. But, yeah, my routines, I'm all about routine. Not in a superstitious way, just in a this is how I function because I've got ADD. So if I don't have those routines, everything goes out the window. Thank you for that one. Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, I don't know. I, I find that quite difficult to do. I feel like I would be better with a more solid routine, but equally, I'm a real buck a routine kind of person. There's things that I do without thinking about it. Like you say, like we'll sit in the evening and usually watch yeah. something on telly. I get up in the morning. Pretty much the first thing I do is put the kettle on. Yeah. But other than that, I do tend to float through my day a little bit sometimes and kind of do what I feel like doing at the point of doing it, which is, you know. I can't do that. The, it would drive the great me crazy. thing about working from home. But <laughs> See, to me, that's the negative about working from home. I'm just like, get me in the office. Yeah. I can't do it. I hate it. <laughs> I like them to be two very different spaces. Yeah. Give me my routine back. Mm. Next question is from Vicky, who asked, what is your opinion on pyramid schemes and are their products really that bad? Uh, the products aren't bad, but the ethos behind the business is. So pyramid schemes, I assume Vicky means like MLM, which is multi-level marketing brands such as Arbonne, uh, Mary Kay, Tropic. Now, Tropic will push back and say they're not, but the way they do their business model is um, – I have had some contact with their owner over the last year, though, and they I am actually going to do a live there. I just haven't had the, t the time. So I know it sounds weird when you've been in lockdown, but, you know, when you're just kind of like, oh, God, I've really got to get this, make this happen. Um, yeah. So it's not that the products are bad. It's that sometimes the messaging and how they are sold by the time it trickles down that chain. Uh, number one, it, there are definite there is definite cases of people being not ripped off, but uh, not getting back what they put in for sure so i would always say air with a side of caution um so yeah it's not that the product are bad the products are bad it's just that the business model is not ethical for me for a lot of those type of brands so i never say i've never trashed sort of the product it's always been that that person's been pressured into buying it or you know it's that kind of thing uh and some of the messaging is nonsense mm. you know i mean one of the things i took Tropic to task for was that they say that the only reason their products aren't sold in normal retailers is because they're really fresh. They've only just been made and they don't use preservatives. And I'm like, if you didn't use preservatives, it would be green, div. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and their owner basically contacted me and said, no, you're absolutely right. We, of course, we have preservatives. I will fix this messaging. So it's things like that. When brands are receptive, it's great. But as a rule, it's the business model that's the problem, not the product. Okay, good to know. And then last question, which I feel like we've kind of talked about but we've not really gone so much into routines I guess I'm going to ask you last question from Leigh who said how do you find a good routine I've tried so many different products over the last five years but feel like none of them really help me do I have to talk to a professional no what I would do is line up all your products separate them out by category whether it's cleansers toners moisturizers serums eye creams SPF whatever it is push them all back to the wall and pull forward three things. Pull forward a cleanser, a moisturizer, and an SPF. 
Try those three things together for a few weeks and see how your skin is. If your skin looks like it needs a bit more help, delve into your stash of serums. Now, if you don't have a serum, that's when you can do a little bit of information, but it sounds like she spent money. So I don't want anyone to waste money, mm. but it's almost like doing a, a sort of restarting your engines, push everything back, bring forward the three things that you know your skin likes that you don't have an issue with, and just let your skin barrier do its own thing and see how your skin is after a couple of weeks of just on minimal use of product, whether that's cleanse and moisturizer SPF would be my bare minimum. If you are slightly older, I would chuck in an eye cream. Some people don't like it, don't use an eye cream. They don't recommend it. I just say they must have great eyes <laughs> or can afford a load of filler. <laughs> um, but as long as you're washing your face and applying an SPF, those are that's a good place to start. Then I would incorporate if you want to, and we don't know anything about her skin or his skin. Sorry, I didn't get mm -hmm. catch a name, but we don't know anything about their skin or any condition they may have. So if you know, for example, that you're getting the odd spot, maybe you can buy some of those. Maybe you have like a spot treatment or the zit stickers. They're really good. You like the spots, the, the, the sort of little stickers, the hydrochloride patches that you stick on a spot. They do work. They're brilliant. Yeah, I the love that patches. invention. Yeah. They also stop you picking them or they touching really them. They really stop you I picking them, which is genius. Because I still get the odd really big cystic lump in my, you know, because obviously when you're the other end of hormonal, you're still hormonal. And they do, they stop you mm. touching them and everything. They really work. So things like that. Uh, if you are a bit dull or you know you work in the city, I would maybe consider incorporating a vitamin C, but you don't have to. Maybe your skin's a bit dull. You can, you can look at if you've got a niacinamide serum. If you're a bit, if you want to look at sort of recharging the skin, you could look at using a vitamin A in the evening. And if you've got, the problem is when you have all of those things and use them all at the same time and you don't really know how best to use them. So my rule of thumb is stop everything. Try, it's almost like an elimination diet for the skin. Just wash your face, yeah. keep it comfortable with a moisturizer and definitely an SPF, and then slowly introduce the things that you've bought based on the knowledge you have of what that product is supposed to do. And if you're unsure, Google it and see, well, actually, if I'm using this for redness, but it's actually for a drier skin, maybe I'll just put that to one side. Don't throw anything away. Most things have like a two-year shelf life from the minute you open them. More natural mm. things are is less, but you, you'll get 18 months out of most products. So don't throw anything away. But definitely scale it back and then take baby steps forward one product at a time to see if any of the stuff that you've bought actually does help your skin. And just have an honest conversation about what it is you think your product can do, because as much as the best product in the world can help sort of skin tone uh, and to some degree skin elasticity, if you want to change the structure of your skin, that involves intervention. And that means a needle. And that's not for everyone. Uh, and I, I say that you, you can, what I mean by, we used to say needle, I shouldn't say it so throwaway. What I mean is, yes, a professional or a laser or some radio frequency or some derma rolling, like something that involves a bit more oomph to make, it's like taking your face to the gym, you know, you're limited in what you can do right. at home with that. So in answer to the original question, it depends on their age, their skin type, their skin tone. But if you're not sure, instead of going out and trying to you know, the first thing I do when I do an event is I say, right, show me what you've got. Because most people will turn up to a PA with a bag full of product. And I look at their face, I look at the product and I start mm. chucking things. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, save this for the winter. <laughs> save this for the winter. Give this to your mother. Why did you buy this? And they're like, oh God, yeah, you told me not to buy that online and I did it anyway. And it's that kind of thing. So <laughs> scale it back. Do like a no buy pledge. Unless, you know, someone says, this is a perfect product if you have this problem with your skin and I've seen it work on this and, you know, you trust the person, then that's different. But if you've got a load of product 
yes, you can by all means, you can do a consultation, but I would just be wary of going for a consultation somewhere where they sell product because you may end up buying more. So let's work out what you need first is always my first. Before you spend any more money, let's work out what you need and we'll go from there. If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs and email me at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things I ask every guest, and that's if listeners want to find out more about what we've been talking about today. Could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? Oh, God. Okay. So read, I would say, my book, which is not plugging it, but it does kind of wrap it up. And it's always on offer. You can always get it cheaper than the cover price. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, you don't often hear that from an author. Uh, the publishers are used to me I'm like yes 10 quid get it now um (laughs) so read my book but also you know if you can't afford it read the blog by all means read the blog you know there's like 1600 blog posts most of them are about skincare there's the odd one about Duran Duran but most of them about skincare (laughs) uh listen to now it depends how deep your love for skincare is there's a new podcast by Sam Farmer um so I can give you a link for that one. But that's kind of very industry. If you just want more sort of beauty and um, general skincare fun, things like that, the podcast by Jen and Jess in New York called um, Fat Mascara is a great podcast. Uh, Full Coverage Beauty is a great podcast. Um, oh, God, I listen to so many podcasts. And now I've gone literally, mine's gone blank. But <laughs> I can certainly give you other lists for those. And then watching is different because there's not that much to watch in terms of I mean, there's hardly, I like Dr. Shireen Idris on terms of Instagram. You could look at her things. Um, she's a dermatologist from New York. A few of the dermatologists at the moment are doing like embarrassing TikToks. And I'm just like, please don't, please don't stand there. You're 55 <laughs> years old and you're dancing. Please stop it. There's a reason Hiram had like 27 billion followers on TikTok. It's his age group, babe. Know your audience. No judgment, but don't do that. <laughs> um, oh, no. But, so, yeah, it's much more about, um, yeah, listen to sort of general industry podcasts. It's quite good. Allure do a good podcast. You know, the American magazine Allure, they do a podcast every mm. week, and it's a breaking down, like, key keyword ingredients. Like, they've done what is niacinamide, what is vitamin A. That's quite a good one. Oh, that does sound good. Yeah, watching, it kind of depends. Watching, you can, you can fall down a rabbit hole on places like Instagram because it's very, if you search a hashtag, you get – there's so much crap on there, you know? So I tend to sort of look at estheticians, uh, dermatologists, some, um, and there's not really that many skincare I follow on YouTube. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the reaction video world. So I kind of save my YouTube for watching things like Casey Neistat and funny clips from the late show or something like that. I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah, I kind of a fuddy duddy stuck in my ways. I'm, you know, I don't really want to, I don't care what someone, for me, the reaction video thing is very, it's just judgmental even when they're trying not to be. Mm. And so it's, I'm just not a fan. I know people love them. It's fine. I like reaction videos to music. I love watching reaction videos to music. They're my favorite thing. When people hear a brilliant song for the first time, oh my God, it sets me up for the day. It's amazing. Oh, that does sound nice. Oh, it's brilliant. I'll send you some good ones. But watching someone's first, you know, doing a, Skincare routine and having someone tear it to shreds to me is not entertainment. Thank you for listening and thank you, Caroline, for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're currently listening on. And if you've got an extra minute, you can leave a rating and a review as well. 
Your reviews make a big difference and help other people find the podcast. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.